Welcome back, everybody, to the Classic Rock Podcast. It is February, and coming up this month, we're going to be looking back at the very beginnings of Van Halen, with classic interviews coming up from David Lee Roth. Uh, Plus, of course, if we have Dave, we have to have a bit of Sammy as well, don't we? So classic interview number two in the show this month is the almost hilarious, and I mean hilarious, look back at what happened when Sam and Dave decided to bury the hatchet and tour together. Yeah, it seems crazy even now. But it did happen, and you can hear what happened a little bit later on. Uh, We'll also have the news and the press reviews for this month. So where should we start then? Queen. Well, they've dominated the headlines and the awards ceremonies around the world for, what, the last five or six months now. Uh, They've just announced as well that they're going to be playing at the Oscars ceremony this year. Now then, hot on the heels of Freddy's story comes a film which has been in the making for, it must be the last decade at least, before Netflix stepped in. And on March the 22nd, this will premiere. It could have happened to anybody, but it didn't. It happened to us. The new band is gonna be something nobody's ever seen before. Oh my God, those are my pants. But they look so much better on me. We got a runaway, a kid drummer. Old man. Let's just play it. A cover band singer. They say you're gonna be a rock star. What do you think? Holy shit. If we wanna knock people on their asses, then we've gotta give them a show. I'm talking like a stadium show in the clubs. The fans, they're dying for some anarchy. So let's give it to them. work for Electra Records. You guys like a record deal? I had managed the Scorpions, Bon Jovi, Skid Row, Kiss, but I have never been through what Motley Crue put me through. I am sick and tired of not having any fun. Everything's upside down and flip-flopping. Motley Crue, no strangers to controversy. Vince Neil was charged with vehicular manslaughter. Tommy Lee and Heather Locklear have separated. It's a degenerative bone disease. Nikki Six has overdosed. I know it's not gonna be easy, but I believe in you guys. Win it all or lose it all. We are Motley Crue. then the dirt the story the unbelievable story of the world's most notorious band certainly from the 1980s and 90s it is of course motley crew the trailer does look actually quite good but whether or not 
it is anywhere near as shocking actually, as the book was to read. And if you've not read the book, The Dirt, then you should. Now, moving on with some of the news stories that you might have missed over the course of this much less. Slash has confirmed all of the rumours. Guns and Roses are working together on a new album. As for when there will actually be a new album, well, um, that's another story. He said, uh, we'll have to see what happens uh, when it happens. It happens. The other question, of course, that needs asking uh, then are the relationships within the band these days. His answer, very tidy. He said, very family-esque. Everybody is really happy and everybody is feeling very comfortable around each other. Well, if it does come this year, it'll be the first album involving Axel Duff and Slash in 26 years. Now, lots of whispers coming out from the uh, Van Halen camp about imminent tours being announced. But what about this Van Halen and Michael Anthony reunion rumour that uh, appears not to be going away? What's the real story? Well, they actually called him to gauge his interest and he told them that he was good to go. Uh, but that he was doing a record with Sammy and you'd have to work around that. They left it at that. Six months later, no further contact. And it seems... He's not actually sure why. You're wondering whether he didn't actually think, well, I'm working with Sammy and Van Halen would have to work around that. Whether or not that might not go down too well? Obviously not. So uh, perhaps the last we'll hear of Michael Anthony, unfortunately, uh, back in Van Halen. Def Leppard still riding the crest of a significant wave, heading back to a residency in Las Vegas this August when they play 12 dates at the Planet Hollywood Resort from August the 14th. Uh, be great to hear some new music from them later on in the year. As for what's in the show last year, remember, it was the Hysteria Tour. People suggesting maybe they should actually play the Pyromania album in full. Uh, they'd have to do something else, obviously, because it only lasts about, what, 46 minutes. Now, the good news keeps on rolling in. We've already talked about Guns N' Roses, but what about this? Paul Rogers is all but saying Bad Company will be releasing new material. He was quoted as saying, listen, I'd like to create some new music. Uh, that's the focus that we have at the moment. We're in the studio at present and we're kicking a few ideas around to see what we've got. Unfortunately, of course, there is no Mick Ralphs who suffered that stroke in 2016. He's still hospitalised, uh, Paul Rogers added. His family are involved in taking care of him. And uh, he is doing as well as can be expected. No dates on any potential arrival of this new album. Uh, it would be one of those. Keep your eye out. Uh, some significant health issues that are affecting some of our classic rock friends. Firstly, our best wishes, of course, go to Bernie Torme, who is in intensive care suffering uh, from pneumonia at present. You may, of course, remember him. He played with many, many A-list stars down the years. Uh, perhaps best remembered for his time with Ian Gillan, with the Gillan Band. What a great band they were as well back in the day. Ozzy Osbourne, too, is on hiatus after he was admitted to hospital due to complications with flu. He now is on the mend at home and he is under instructions, strict instructions to rest. Also on the slow road to recovery, Fleetwood Mac's estranged Lindsay Buckingham. Uh, he actually had open heart surgery just a couple of weeks ago and the potentially bad news that was revealed the day after is that it has affected his vocal cords. But there is, they say, a good chance 
that he will recover. Huey Lewis, as well, has endured a really miserable year after first tinnitus, and now he's got many years' disease. He said he hasn't given up hope of playing live again. He said that he sings every day to keep his voice in check. I have not given up, he said. Let's hope he hasn't. Now, tour news. Frank Zappa's hologram tour has been finalised. It runs from the 19th of April until the 17th of May, including five UK dates including on the 14th of May, a show at the London Palladium. Of significantly more interest is the North American tour with a reunified heart. Also out with them, Joan Jett and Cheryl Crow. What a great night that would be. She still possesses as well Anne Wilson, that voice, one of the finest female voices ever in rock music and still has the power to send a shiver down your spine. I remember watching that uh, version she did of Stairway to Heaven with Robert Plant, John Paul Jones and Jimmy Page and Barack Obama and his wife in the audience. If you never saw it, go on YouTube and look it up. It is quite phenomenal. Uh, They're back, of course, after a rather public falling out and she said both Nancy and I have stretched our wings in life in these last three years we've both lived and loved uh, we have breathed and traveled and experienced life and we come to this tour with fresh energy and oxygen uh, not enough oxygen to drag them over the Atlantic Ocean because there are no dates in Europe yet Don Felder remember him the former Eagles guitarist has proven that he's certainly still got the power to pull in a, a name or two to guest. He's gathered around him an array of stars for his next album titled American Rock and Roll. Uh, I've heard a couple of tracks of it. It's very, very good. Who's on it? Well, Slash, Sammy Hagar, Joe Satriani, Chad Smith. In actual fact, all they've uh, got missing there is Michael Anthony, and they would have had chicken food in the building. Uh, Don also revealed that he'd reached out to Don Henley and Glenn Frey, sadly, before he died, to try and make the peace, but uh, to no avail. So likelihood of a reunion uh, doesn't look very strong, really. Now, if you'd like to see some of the classic lineups reuniting and you're a fan of some of the biggest names in the early 1970s and 1980s, then you will be glad to hear Roxy Music are heading back your way as they may well reunite, they say, to play at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Uh, First time they'll have been back on stage together since 2011. Now, one of the busiest bands around at the moment seem to be David Coverdale's Whitesnake. New album, Flesh and Blood, is coming out. We've already had a taste with the single Shut Up and Kiss Me. And there is a huge box set to celebrate the 35th anniversary of what many fans believe to be the best Whitesnake album. Slide it in. Seven discs, interviews, recordings never heard before, video footage never seen before, and uh, John Lord's final concert as well, also on there. And since they've been back with Warner Brothers, uh, they've done a fantastic job of putting together these box sets. The 1987 box set was excellent. Uh, This looks equally as good. So it's available from the end of this month. But if you do remember 1987, the year that uh, David Coverdale made owning a white Jaguar XJ, something we all aspired to, well, 
that very vehicle is back from retirement. David has got it out of the garage. He's given it a very good waxing indeed. And it appears in the brand new Whitesnake video for the brand new Whitesnake song off of the brand new Whitesnake album, Flesh and Blood. The song is called Shut Up and Kiss Me.
Great song from Whitesnake, Shut Up and Kiss Me. Looking forward to the new album, hopefully. Uh, They've got a massive tour going in the States and they're going to be appearing at the Download Festival in the UK. Monsters of Rock, if you like, at Donington Park. Uh, But no sign of any UK European dates yet. Lynyrd Skynyrd, though, they are in the UK this summer, along with Status Quo on the bill as well, and they were on the excellent Speakeasy Music Chat Show. Joe Elliott is amongst the guests on there as well on that series. You can listen to them in full as well, speakeasytalks.com. Now, Skynyrd were in, and here's a brief clip with them talking about uh, life and music and what happens after goodbye tours, and is there anywhere left that they have not played? I always say if we didn't play it, we stopped for Diesel. <laughs> but we want to go play, you know, every town that we possibly can to say not not goodbye, but so long till the next time. I was talking talking to the guys, and they said, uh, you know, the best part about the farewell tour, and I said, you know, what's that? And they had the reunion tour. <laughs> it's been so many years I can talk about the crash, but it was such a heavy thing. They never got a chance to know classic rock and that we'd be on there and Freebird would become one of the biggest songs played. People who love Skinner music are not fans of us. They're your family, you know? It's, it's, a, it's a big family. It's an interesting deal when you look out and you, you know what the music means to them and what the band means to them. It's, I mean, Skinner music transcends to everybody. They, everybody loves it. Hey man, that's what keeps us going, you know. Y'all's faces and the emotions that come out when we're playing Tuesday's Gone or Simple Man or Freebird. Gary, has there been a show since Freebird was written or recorded where Skinner has not played Freebird? Well, not that I can think of. To be honest with you, I went to a share concert with my wife and I hollered Freebird in the audience. I was like, Freebird! <laughs> Leonard Skinner on tour with Status Quo this June. What a night that promises to be. They're playing at Wembley Arena as uh, well. I'm going to go and see them. And uh, seeing Skinner perform Freebird is a real bucket list moment for any uh, rock fan. If you haven't ever seen them live, you must go and see them. I think this is the third or fourth time I've actually seen them now. Um, and I think tickets are still on sale and it's truly memorable. There's more good news for more new product this year. Greta Van Fleet are planning new music, the album Anthem for the Peaceful Army, reached number three on the Billboard charts. And remember the back of that EP, which continues to sell as well, which contained Highway Song, which brought them the Grammy nominations and Grammy wins the message to fans around the world. We all decided earlier this month that we need to do a record as soon as possible. Great news. You want some more good news? Here's some. Deep Purple are going to record a new album this year, a follow-up to 2017's Infinite, and it continues this extraordinary run of form since Bob Ezrin took up the residency for production on the equally as good Now What? And with album comes tour. Uh, Roger Glover was quoted a while back as saying, emotionally, 
We're not ready to stop. And let's be honest, it's not as if they're actually treading on past glories or treading water. The live shows last time out were the best for years, including that uh, show that was recorded on the BBC's live lounge. So uh, the message from us to you, keep calm and carry on, boys. Uh, Continuing to carry on and reinvent himself is Robert Plant, the master of reinvention, creator extraordinaire, debuted his new band. Yes, it seems for the moment the space shifters are on hiatus. And now it is the turn of saving grace. They made a debut appearance in Shropshire at the Spark Theatre at uh, Bishop's Castle with an audience that hadn't been told who was appearing before they actually got there. Let's hope whoever they were actually realised just how lucky they were. And uh, on the subject of the future, let's hope that Robert Plant continues to produce stuff which is as good as carry fire. And uh, lastly in the news, you mentioned Robert Plant. What about former Led Zepp member John Paul Jones? Well, he's going to be out playing at London's iconic 100 Club, which has hosted just about everybody since it opened its doors back in 1942. He's going to be playing alongside Sonic Youth guitarist Thurston Moore and Steve Noble. It's time maybe for a return of Them Crooked Vultures. Remember, they released their one and only album, 10 years ago now. Dave Grohl hasn't actually ruled out the possibility and the potential of reforming and producing more music. Now it is classic interview time. This month saw the 41st anniversary of Van Halen's self-titled first album. An album for those of you who remember putting it on your record player or if you're very, very hip and advanced for your age, your cassette player, you'll recount an almost life-changing moment. The opening five minutes were unlike anything you'd ever heard before. And as with so many albums with a story to tell, its recording was done and dusted within three weeks. 95% of it was recorded live. And remember the opening track on the album, Running With The Devil. The horns that were heard at the start were actually the sound of the band's very own car horns. Uh, and who do we thank for that bit of ingenious intro? None other than Gene Simmons of Kiss. The album went on to sell 10 million copies Of course, the band went on to spawn one of the great all-time rivalries, didn't it, which has been played out in a very public way for the past 40 years, that between David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar. And it continues, doesn't it, over the years, still the discussion rages. Who was better? Roth's Van Halen will always be remembered as the definitive. Uh, But could he hold a candle to Sammy's vocals? Absolutely not. Uh, But we've forgotten one thing. Neither would have had a band to sing in had it not been for the genius of this man. Thank <laughs> you. 
go then. Not Van Roth, not Van Hagar, but Van Halen. And that was the moment that a million wannabe guitar players growing up in the late 70s actually put their guitars down, never ever picked them up again, realised the futility of ever trying to follow it or live up to one of the real legends, Eddie Van Halen. It's funny actually because uh, Eruption, which was the title of that piece of music very nearly didn't make it onto the album. It was only producer uh, Ted Templeman at the time who heard it and made sure it did. But we digress. Let's go back to David Lee Roth and let's find out where it all began. When we were in high school, we were both rivals as far as myself in one band and the Van Halen's in another band. We were cross-town whiz kids. I had a band, and man, could we dance. And, you know, in the Van Halens, they could play. And we kind of fell together through a process of elimination because, you know, after high school, and, uh, you know, everybody decides, well, I'm going to be a doctor or a lawyer or an Indian chief, you know. And uh, the four of us decided we were going to go to outer space. So we started playing the backyard parties and the bars and the bar mitzvahs and the clubs and the everything you could think of. We had, we had nobody but each other who really wanted to play music, travel and do it in a world-class fashion. behind Van Halen was always to play. A lot of people are very prone to assure you that, hey, look, even without the big audience and the big amplifier, you know, you'd find me in a little club. Yeah, right. You know, I think uh, Van Halen, or at least some members thereof, uh, you would find in a small club. And you do find Edward uh, in little pit stops along the way, jamming, whatever. The music is the closest to heart. Uh, the idea was to just play in the following group. Van Halen, to a small degree, and myself to a large degree, uh, are primarily motivated by fear and revenge. When we discuss how we felt when Van Halen 1984 went number one, when Jump went number one and this kind of thing. It was a feeling of satisfaction. Van Halen has always come down to the beach with a sword in one hand and a torch in the other. And we always knew that we were gonna get up there someday. And we, and we took the worst possible avenue of getting there. We said, we won't try and accomplish it at all. We'll just 
lay back. <laughs> if God wants it to happen, then it will. We'll make records, we'll tour, we'll dress ourselves up, we'll play for our own satisfaction. I approach this whole Van Halen project as one big art project. Finger painting at times, admittedly, nonetheless, art. Life for me has turned into one great big refrigerator door. Remember when you used to come home, you know, in third grade with the finger paintings and your parents would go, ooh, ah, uh, ooh, ah, uh, ooh, ah, uh, ooh, ah, ooh. Anyway, <laughs> and take the finger painting, they put it on the refrigerator door and you get to stand back and admire it for weeks. You know, people talk about the partying and the wildness that goes on. I think that is part and parcel of the artistic process. If you subtracted all of the great artists, not that I'm linking up Van Halen with great, who never drank or who never went to excess, you wouldn't have any more art left. That's what kind of poem are you going to get out of a glass of iced tea? Words and voice of uh, Diamond, David Lee Roth, still going strong and should be out on the road if the rumours are true with Van Halen this summer. They're playing, uh, I think it's supposed to be six dates or so in major stadiums. Just getting back to the release of Van Halen. When it came out, the reviews were not great. Rolling Stone predicted this. In three years, Van Halen is going to be fat, self-indulgent and disgusting. In the meantime, uh, they will be a big deal. Uh, their secret is not doing anything original whilst having the hormones to do it better than all of those who have gone before and who have subsequently become fat, self-indulgent and disgusting. Uh, that review was written by uh, a journalist called Charles M. Young, very famous journalist, uh, at the time, highly regarded as well. He's sadly no longer with us, but you can indeed uh, go back to Rolling Stone on the website and actually look at uh, all of his body of work. There's some great stuff in there as well. Time now to look at what's in the music press this month. Well, Classic Rock magazine, after last month's AOR Top 50, which stimulated plenty of argument and discussion, this month they move on to the 100 greatest albums of the 1960s, and it is the contrarians' viewers ever, not what your average expert would put in there. Uh, and their conditions are only one album per artist, and off you go. Well... We haven't got time to go through the entire list of top 100. So uh, what about the top 10? Well, The Doors by The Doors. Uh, Light My Fire, remember, in that one. Umagama by Pink Floyd was at 9. Bowie by Bowie at 8. Uh, then Play On by Fleetwood Mac was at 7. Truth by Jeff Beck at number 6. And number 5, it was Tons of Sobs by Free from 1969. On vocals, the son of a Middlesbrough docker. Paul Rogers, who was just 18 years of age. And now, when you look back on the tracks like uh, Walk in My Shadow, it's almost astonishing how good he was. Uh, Rod Stewart described him as the best in the business on many occasions. 
And uh, Rogers goes on to talk about a meeting with a a young unsigned guy called uh, Robert Plant before he joined Led Zeppelin. Free were opening for uh, Alexis Corner at the Railway Tavern in Birmingham. And they both happened to be staying at the same hotel. And he said, I had a chat with him. He said, what's it like down in London? This is Robert Plant. He said, well, I've had a call from this bloke called uh, Jimmy Page. He wants to form a band and he wants me in it. He said, they've offered me 30 quid a week or a percentage. And Rogers said to him, take the percentage. Best bit of business advice he ever had. At four, Led Zepp by Led Zepp. At three, Let It Bleed by The Stones, Beatles by Beatles at number two. And number one, it is Axis Bold as Love by Jimi Hendrix. Over at uh, Record Collector magazine, they had an interview this month with uh, David Crosby. Covers all of the bases from the beginnings with the birds to Deja Vu. Great album, that, with uh, Nash and Young, the addiction phase, a spell in prison phase, the liver transplant phase, the near couple of bankruptcies phase, and all of the subsequent fallouts. Well, and as well as going through this late-in-the-day career renaissance, he's got a slew of solo projects. Uh, he's clearly realistic about where he is in life. And he was quite, he said, I'm 77. He said, I'm not going to be around long. I've got a certain amount of time left and I don't want to waste it. He goes on to uh, talk about death and uh, mortality. And he said, look, you know, many others don't even talk about it. He said, they're scared. I'm not. I'm at the end of my own life. I'm not complaining. I've been lucky. I've had uh, a great time. And I'm happy, probably the happiest that I've been in years. And of course, the old million dollar question. What would it take to get Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young back together? Well, he said somebody needs to put up enough money first, uh, then Neil would have to want to do it because he's the deciding factor, really. He said always has been. Uh, And how is the relationship then with Graham Nash? Is it retrievable? And he said, no, I don't think so. I could work with him if Neil wanted it, but I have no love in my heart. Q magazine this month, not to be undone themselves, were offering us the 156th most influential albums of all time, as nominated by the likes of Noel Gallagher and Jarvis Cocker uh, and more. And it begins with the entry requirements. Uh, You've got to have a strong claim to have had altered the course of music, made a mark on subsequent artists, and they begin their 156 with Kurt Weill and Bertolt Brecht from back in 1928. Don't know who that is? Well, they influenced, amongst others, Bob Dylan. Uh, there's no countdown to this collection. It's just a year by year. Uh, and most of what you would expect is in there. Metal Hammer. They celebrate 50 years of metal. Yes, 1969 was indeed year zero. This was the time, dear listener, when the Polka Tolk Blues Band, then the Earth, uh, morphed into Black Sabbath. Also, Led Zeppelin appeared uh, with that incredible debut album. Now, there's a great quote in the opening piece, which is written by Dave Ling, perhaps one of rock music's journalistic royalty. Uh, It came from Ginger Baker, who said... Should Cream's high-voltage antics have had anything to do with the birth of metal, 
I would have suggested an abortion. He always was a curmudgeon, wasn't he? Uh, then they go through the decades. Tony Iommi talks of upset at the bad reviews of Black Sabbath's first album. He said, it wasn't nice to read these uh, reviews. Uh, I just went, oh my God. I didn't mind the reviewer saying uh, that it's not my cup of tea. But when they said that nobody liked us, he said, well, that was all rather upsetting. And of course, all rather wrong. Ronnie Dio pops up in the 1980s as they're discussing Holy Diver. One of the proudest things I've ever done, he said. Uh, there were great songs and great playing. I think everybody seconds that, but what an unbelievable run he'd actually had coming into that rising long-lived rock and roll, Heaven and Hell, Mob Rules, and then Holy Diver. Did anybody ever get close to having a run of form quite like he had there? and still very, very much sadly missed. Over in Prog Rockland, Jethro Tull, our front cover, Rick Wakeman, is in foul mood and for good reason. Why is it, he said, the British are the only ones who ever get breakfast right? Then he recounts a breakfast horror in a recent hotel. I went down to breakfast, which I was looking forward to, and I uh, opened the stainless steel lid, looked in, and then said, um, excuse me, uh, I do believe that uh, a baby's been sick. It's scrambled eggs, sir. But it's green. Uh, do you do poached? No, sir. Second tray. Piles of pink willies, he said. Uh, they're sausages, sir. Then number three dish, just as shocking, uh, grilled jellyfish floating in grease. Uh, bacon, sir, uh, by which time he'd lost his appetite and left. More from Rick next month. Can't wait. Um, main feature, Jethro Tull, starts with the story of, uh, of meeting with Elvis Presley. Remember last month when we recounted the story of the zombies popping up to Elvis's Graceland mansion and just, you know, ringing the doorbell as you do. Uh, only for his father to answer and say that uh, he wasn't in, he was in Hawaii, and how sorry he'd be uh, that he actually missed him. Uh, well, Tull were playing in Vegas in 69 when they got summoned to a casino to watch Elvis. And Ian Anderson recounts, he said, uh, I was appalled by it. The commerciality, and it was clear that he was completely out of his box and he was slurring his words, and then he'd just stop. And that was it. The band would all stop. Uh, then they just said, uh, Elvis would like to see you in his dressing room. Uh, to which Anderson replied, uh, Tell Mr. Presley it uh, really is a great honour to be here tonight, but we've got a show tomorrow and we're a bit tired uh, and we need an early night. Uh, the reply was, uh, No, you're not listening. Elvis will see you backstage in your dressing room. And Anderson followed and he said, I thought this isn't an invitation, it's a fucking instruction. So we didn't. Good piece, well written, well researched, as ever, as they always are. And uh, you find lots of little pearls, especially if you're not a dyed-in-the-wool fan, like Tony Iommi. Yes, Tony Iommi of Black Sabbath was once in Jethro Tull for a very short while. And he appeared in the Rock and Roll Circus concert movie uh, where they played a song for Jeffrey. A couple of months later, Iommi was back uh, to Earth, the band in Birmingham. Uh, all these bits and lots more can be found in the upcoming book release as well, The Ballad of Jethro Tull. It's out in autumn of 2019, just in time for Christmas.
Time then to go back to the classic rock interviews. Now, we heard from David Lee Roth earlier on in the programme about where it all began, but he ended up leaving, of course, in 1985. And on board, as we know, came one of the great rock vocalists of all time, Sammy Hagar. And the Van Halen story continued with no sign of a drop-off. Platinum albums followed one after another, as did the sold-out global tours before it all ended for him in the early 1990s. Then we had years of constant rumours about uh, David Lee Roth rejoining the band. That all came to nothing before Van Halen turned up with Gary Cherone for Van Halen 3. And we all know what happened there. And then, out of nowhere, in 2002, David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar decide to bury the hatchet and settle their differences and head out on tour together. The Sam and Dave, or the Dave and Sam tour, have latest sold-out venues all over North America. But behind the scenes, all was not well. This is what happened. Just last night, we got in a big fight, you know. He's going, you owe me more. So I said, Dave, I don't owe you anything, pal. Are you crazy? You owe me. <laughs> Get over it, bringing you out here, getting you back in the game, pal. Run-ins and conflicts are par for the course in rock and roll. What's unorthodox here is that if you want to take a shot at the boss, hang my hat and badges off. Throw your best, homie. Every time I open, he gets in a bad mood. But it was his idea. I didn't want to open for anybody. But I said, sure, you want me to open them? We'll open every other show. Uh, You know, originally when we started this, I said to Sam, let's do, you know, 50-50. I'll flip a blonde and always call tails. And, you know, you can do the off nights. He didn't get it either. Dave doesn't do anything except walk out on stage and pretend like it's his show. He don't do the interviews, he doesn't try to sell tickets, and he doesn't jam, he doesn't want to go out you know, on stage together and go, hey, you know, let's like show these people that this is a great tour, you know, it's just like oil and water. Well, there's an entrance, huh? I don't really see that there's a whole lot of comparison. Sam throws a party, I am the party. I got on this deal on the dress rooms because Dave and I are flip-flopping. One night he closes, the next night I close. One night he closes, the next night I close, right? Well, tonight he's closing. He's got the big dress room and I'm pissed. I'm not an opening act. Look at this. Look at the size of this. I got this little piddly ass room. Everybody feeling good about yourselves? Healthy? Yes. Happy? Yeah. Sober? Close enough. Stay away from the Cabo Wabo. <laughs> wow! obviously not in love with each other and that rivalry is precisely the kind of mix it up that an audience wants to get in the middle of we've been getting along worse than ever because you know once again he's being unreasonable this guy came out of the gutter to do this tour and it's now he's back so now he's playing in front of big crowds again and making a ton of money and and so now he's automatically acts like he's got again it's like okay Dave wait till the tour is over you're back where you were last year pal I'm sure the Benny Goodman's and the Glenn Miller's slugged it out much in the same vein. I told him from the first day we met, you come out on stage with me anytime. You can walk out in the middle of my show and I won't freak. 
I'll make something happen. Most comparisons between Hagar's reality and mine are purely coincidental. I myself am the son of Satan, even though my duties here are largely ceremonial. Even when I go to Dave's dress room door, even like when he's right across the hall from me, he sees me, runs in there, locks the door. Where's Diamond? Is he around? And I go beat on the door. Dave, come on, open up. When he gets here, let me know. I'm gonna go beat on his bus door. And he pretends like he's not in there. That's some weird stuff, man. Sam's always banging on the windshield. A bottle of tequila in one end is in the other. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Sammy Hagar and David Lee Roth. Ladies and gentlemen, David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar. It's really good to see you after 55 shows, Dave. It's really good to see you. Where you been all summer? I've been on the Celebrity Deathmatch Tour, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't need the money yet, Dave, no. I don't like Dave anymore. I thought maybe Dave and I get along. I don't like Dave. Well, let's define get along. Do we have each other's phone numbers? No. Do we share strong drink and reasonable historic stories with each other? No. I guess my answer is no. <laughs> What's rock and roll without a little drama, a little mix it up? Come on, you give peace a chance. I'm making a movie, like a rattle and hum. I'm gonna do this completely myself, and we're using a lot of real film and stuff. I'm really trying to do it right. And uh, it's gonna be called The Long Road to Cobble. And then do my whole birthday bash. Not for sale. It ain't about money and that. It's about being doing things that make you happy and that you'll be proud of you know, doing. Let's cut to the crash right here at Club Dave. It's hard to say. I'm not looking for it by myself, so I don't know if we could ever do it. But ideally, which is always on the chomping block, is Sam and Dave tour with Van Halen. I think that would be the only way to do it. Dave and I can get along. You can see we can do it. We just stay away from each other, and we've got to have a rule. Just say, look, here's what we're doing. You do your thing and do mine. You know, you play an hour, I play an hour. You do this, I do that. I ride in that car, you ride in that car, you know? I ride in my jet, <laughs> you, you ride in your bus, because if you're in the air, I'm going to go in the bus. Hey, I'm an optimist. When I go fishing, I take a Nikon and a frying pan. You hope for the best, I expect it. Uh, maybe this reaches out to Eddie Van Heineken. Love you, baby. You know my number. There it is, then. The story of the, uh, the Sam and Dave tour. Uh, there was a brief reunion with Sammy Hager, which didn't last. And then a couple of years later, back came David Lee Roth for another go at it. And they did at least release that a very good album, A Different Kind of Truth. They went off on tour, of course, and there is the uh, rumour, which is yet to be confirmed. Uh, they will be out again this summer with David Lee Roth. As the lead singer, Sammy, of course, has been equally as busy. The brilliant chicken foots that he put together. Saw them at the Shepherd's Bush Empire. They came over and did a couple of dates over here, a couple of tours. They were excellent on both occasions they were here. Now he's with The, the Circle. Uh, but what he said was we'd really love to see is Van Halen with Sammy Hagar and indeed David Lee Roth. What a show. Give them an hour and a half each. Just what the fans want. Eddie Van Halen, very, very unlikely to countenance that. 
Well, that's just about it then for this month. Hope you've enjoyed the show. If you want to get in touch, then you can. You can do so on Facebook if you want at uh, Tim Cable Rock Classics or on Twitter. And if you're listening on the uh, Anchor podcast app, you can actually leave voice messages if you so wish. Until next month's Classic Rock Podcast, then from me and Tim Cable. Bye-bye for now.